I'm ready to create. I'm ready to see the next level. I'm ready to see the new paradigm. Is it called Fifth Edition? That's not like the official name yet. Okay. It's still it's still next. We're still not really sure what we want to call it when it comes out. Well, it ain't gonna be I mean, Sixth Edition. <laughs> what probably could it not. Be? Well, no, they could call it. They could call it just Dungeons and Dragons. That's what we'd like to do. Because yeah. the thing is, if you call it like if you emphasize the Fifth, is it confusing to new players? Do, right. I mean, how many people actually get really care about it? So I mean, you should take a page from Apple and just call it the new Dungeons and Dragons. There's new always. Well, isn't that isn't the idea that it's an all-encompassing edition, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would say Dungeons and Dragons, right? I mean, this is the yeah, this is it's, it. yeah. This is this is like the Metallica album, Metallica. There you go. Some, yeah, exactly right. I mean, it's supposed to be the essence of what it but is. But they couldn't just call it Dungeons. No, no, that because then people would be like, "We're the dragons." We're well, the dragons. Exactly. I mean, the sense then would be that you were holding back. On the dragons, just to charge later. We're gonna release a book later that's dragons. <laughs> dragons. Right now, you guys just have dungeons. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh man. No, it's true though. I'll play when there's dragons. Exactly. <laughs> and you, you don't want that that early bird to be like, listen, I'm gonna hold off for a greater value. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I know you guys are having this conversation internally. Or you know, knowing Watsi, they'd release a book that's just the ampersand. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh come on, guys. We're not even at dragons yet. <laughs> really? We're just we're, this book just simply covers the idea of inclusion. <laughs> yeah, that's not sufficient. What's next? Yeah, yeah, that's not a value. Sorry. Okay. Okay, we're done. So what's up? I mean, how do you how do you want to help us learn this new stuff? Because I I mean I've never been out to a play test. I know Mike has seen new stuff. I saw the very early like the first yeah. draft. Yeah, and and that's. That's more than I've seen. And I know that people have been at events, you know, at other tabletop-type events and played it. Mm -hmm. And I, I might have a chance to do it at PAX or something, but, I mean, I, I don't have word one. Okay. So I need I need. I've big... lived it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> have you played it? took me through, pro, I think my NDA listed on that. He told me it was, but we played through a bit. Was it cool? It was. It felt very old school. It's different, right? It was like we better go back to town and hire some NPCs. We're not going to make it very far into this cave. Oh, you mean in terms of difficulty? Yeah. Yeah, I took I took danger. our group through that. There's danger. Goblin thing too. Yeah. Oh well, here. I, I, I mean, it was the reality was that they, if they picked the wrong cave, it's just game over. That's what I did. Oh. I ran in as if I was fourth edition Vinwin. Yeah. And I was going to get all my gear back if a rust monster ate me. Right, and yeah. all your tanking shit. Right, so everything's going to be fine. And I did cleave one orc in half. Yeah, but the other four had spears, and <laughs> Kenneth couldn't heal me again unless he drank some orange juice and slept for two days. <laughs> so felt good. All right. Well, here, listen. So you, long story short, you need to educate us. All right. That's yeah. That's what I'm here for. Right. So All right. So basically, as far as converting your characters go, so I've got like these word docs open. I'm just gonna take notes. Actually, hold on. Let's start. Let's start even before that. Okay, let's start cool. in the primordial era. Okay. Before my name is Jerry Holkins. Okay. And I write under the pseudonym Tycho Brahe, but I am also, for the purposes of this podcast, omen drawn, a half elf cleric. Who of some repute, who operates the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, Adventuring Expedition Organization, uh, and I'm here with my employees, um, who will introduce themselves at this point. Uh, I'm more of a freelance operative who <laughs> happens to be right now employed by Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, my name is Mike Rahulik, also known as Gabe. I draw Penny Arcade. 
And I am Jim Dark Magic. I am also a freelancer. Oh, who am I kidding? <laughs> Let's I, am a, I am a dyed-in-the-wool employee. A lifer. Oh, yeah. But you, you, you like the medical benefits. I, I need the medical benefits, and I love the toys. That's right. I mean, this you, you keep me in, like, the Harry Potter version of the new axe. Yeah. You, you name things, so I'll let you name the axe. But we'll work it out. I'm Scott Kurtz, otherwise known as that asshole online. And I draw PvP, and I play the impulsive dwarven warrior Benwin Bronzebottom. Fire enthusiast. Danger expert. Trap tripper. That's right. And I'm Mike Merles. I'm the senior manager at WotC. I work on D&D. That's really um, funny. You're Mike Merles? I am. It's so funny. Like, I only know your name. Really? Oh, I, I, I know you as a piece of ASCII... Like text. You're at Mike Merles? <laughs> I am at Mike Merles. I saw a tweet from you today about monsters. Yeah. Well, well, I feel really special now. <laughs> well, it's, it, I'm, I'm glad to know that. The um, And I, I go by Mike Merles online, so I don't really have any aliases to go, I mean, to talk about. And Do I don't you want really, to give you one? Jerry's really good at that. Do you, could you give me an alias? Well, here, I, I need to know more about your inherent nature, but we'll get to oh, it. Okay, so this is something I have to grow into. Cool. That's right. Okay. You'll earn it. So, yeah, I basically, I run the, the R&D team, and I'm kind of the, the head for the D&D Next project. Uh, I don't really do a lot of direct design work, but I kind of set a lot of the creative direction and how everything fits together. So you act mostly as a sponge for internet hatred. Basically, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> like the, the party tank. Okay, yeah, understood. Guy, I go up in front, and everyone yells at me, and then while I'm distracting internet hordes, the design team skirts around and delivers quality <laughs> gaming products to them. So, yeah, that's kind of my job. All right, well, why don't you tell us about your stuff so, that um, you have? Yeah, so basically um, I've got here on my computer the current draft of uh, D&D Next. Um, I figured we could kind of start with a basic overview of the game, kind of tell you guys like what the major changes are, because you, you have your fourth edition characters, they're all level 10. Yeah, right. We're going to kind of walk through and convert those over. But obviously a big part of conversion is how is the game going to play differently. It's not just right. what the numbers are because the way you're playing, it's, it, there are going to be some changes to it. Right, okay. right, right. And like Mike has played, 4th edition was his first version. And I, you know, I've played one or another version of D&D since I was like six. So I, mean, I've, I have seen many different iterations of this system. So I imagine we'll be coming at it in a little bit different. Yeah, that's going to be kind of interesting to see well, how, how your questions shape up. Because yeah. it is... So, oh, yeah, 4th is your first edition, huh? Yeah, 4th was my first and only edition, yeah. And, and in a way, it's kind of interesting litmus test, because the idea is to make it so it doesn't matter what edition you started with, you can just start playing this game and you recognize it. It's not like some completely weird, different thing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is D&D. &D. Like, there's always going to be some differences whenever you go from one edition to the next. But our goal is they're not... Their difference is more like, oh, this works a little bit better, or there's a new option I could take, but I don't, I don't know if I want to take that. I just want to take the thing that looks familiar. Right. So that's kind of the overriding goal with this. The uh, So in a way, like as far as what's going to be different about the game, probably the biggest change, the one biggest change when you're playing is, uh, so fourth edition is very encounter There's base. no dice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, well, they're actually, they're, they're collectible. They buy booster packs. Oh, they, wow. The dice say hit Smart. or miss. And you don't even yeah. want to joke Blind about that. Anymore. Blind packs. <laughs> Blind packs and dice. More D6s. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, every box is guaranteed to have one D20 in it. Exactly. So that's the one playing. they show on the front. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the one. So the biggest difference is in fourth, it's all very encounter based. Like you, if you're a DM, you build encounters and you kind of put put them together to build your adventure. Yeah. Your players, everything is very like at the end of the encounter, you rest, get your encounter powers back, you heal up, usually back up to full unless you're near the end and keep going. Yeah. The really big change is we've taken that and we've applied it to the entire adventure or the adventuring day if it's a longer adventure. And the big change there is 
So instead of having encounter powers that are coming back, though those are still part of the game. The um, We'll kind of get to those as we go forward. The big change with it is to make it easier for DMs to tell, to basically tell different types of stories to run different types of adventures. One of the big things we got for feedback for fourth was with each encounter, since there's so much design going on there and there's so many different options and stuff, most fights take about an hour, and that can go even longer. Is Mo, tell me about it. So with my group. Yeah, so because everyone has to make a lot of choices, a lot of stuff to track, and that was by design because we figured if we're giving you all these encounter yeah, powers. Okay, oh, and that's so interesting because it seems like in a lot of ways that's that's one of the that's one of the things you were trying to fix was to give DMs tools to make encounters. So you're saying that you gave them the tools to make encounters, and then the encounters became too long and elaborate. Basically, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of thing was when you have so, uh, the design and emphasis on encounters, it starts to overshadow the adventure. Ha! They flew too close to the sun. Exactly. <laughs> to the combat well, sun. Well, All right. Yeah, exactly, right? And so I think that's what we've seen with fourth is the, the combats take uh, probably, I mean, if you want to have an hour-long fight, that's cool. It's what people want to do, but we don't want to make that the default. So what, what's really, it's about making the game a little more flexible. So if you're not really there for the combat or that's not the kind of adventure you want to run, you have a little more flexibility in how you want to approach it. So the idea was to go from having an encounter that takes an hour to, if you want, you can run an entire adventure in an hour. Now, if you want to run a longer adventure, you can just do that. You just stack more stuff or you just the way yeah. you design the story. But we wanted to get a lot more flexibility in the game. So what that means is when you think of an adventure, instead of the DM going, here's five encounters and here's how they fit together, you can almost kind of think the process the DM applies to building an encounter. You're now applying that to the entire adventure. So you might think... It's a part in an arc that yeah. sort of goes, and then this is this one peak here. Exactly. Yeah, so... So the individual fights might be shorter, but when you add them all up, it's like one, you know, it's the same amount of resources from a math standpoint. But you might think as a DM, okay, uh, the fight outside's a really easy fight. It's only a couple goblins. That'll only take a round or two. But then there's the big fight later on against the Goblin King, and that should take like a half hour. And here's like the three waves of guards that show up. And, and he, I'm going to stat him out with all these special, special abilities, spells, or whatever. So really it's about letting DMs pick where they want the complexity to rest there isn't that minimum threshold of complexity that's a bit higher than it was in past editions. So in play, it probably feels a little bit more like, say, first to third edition, but the back-end guts of it are a lot more like fourth, especially for DMs. So the idea is then to give DMs flexibility, so you can start really low with combat and focus more on role play. You can go really heavy on combat and just focus on building all that train features and interesting tactical puzzles. Creatures are a little more complex, build those yourself or just pick them off the shelf. The, um, so there isn't just this emphasis on here's the encounter, the combat encounter is your main unit, it's the adventure, then within it there's different elements you, you can you can emphasize. So when you say like coming from 4th edition, I, I already felt like I could make combats that were simple or really complicated so when you say like the goblin encounter out, the first one is really easy and it's going to be quick what are you doing to make it quick now? Yeah, I mean, I, so you're basically saying that the floor of complexity is lower. Exactly. Like I would have in fourth edition, I would have just said put minions in there. Oh sure, right. And so the idea is like there are there are ways to do it in fourth. Like I don't want to make it like you just couldn't do it in fourth, yeah. right? But one of the things you may have found in fourth was like you could have that quick fight, but if the players take a short rest, it doesn't really have any effect. Like it has an effect in the story arc, but mechanically it doesn't have much of an effect on them because it's, oh, they, because they, use they just get back up exactly because you get your encounter powers. Like right. if you got hit, maybe use a healing surge or not. The idea here is that even if you fight like the basically the, the minion goblins, mm-hmm. the um, if one or two of them hit the fighter, he's now a little bit more banged up for the next fight. Or if you use okay. a spell, spells I are see. all on daily refresh now. So if you use a spell, you kind of feel that sting later on. You can't just alpha strike, basically blow everything okay. you have on so the there's, first fight. There's, you're see. stretching out the experience. Exactly. So you're talking about hit points. I mean, basically, so do you feel like the healing surges, do you feel like that model of healing was a problem? 
It, it, it seems, no, I understand. It had yeah. to be there because of the focus you placed on fights. Do, do, do you feel like that created this problem that you now have to solve? or? Yeah, I think in some ways what happened was between healing surges and encounter powers, like when people would look at their character sheets, there was like two or three pages of just combat abilities. I have a stack of cards in front of me, actually. Yeah, yeah oh, exactly. Right? Or if, yeah, the cards you cut out. Yeah. And so I think what happens is it just kind of nudges people to think if they want to do something in the game, their first reaction is they look through other cards or they look through other powers. But they don't think about what they want to do. From a character perspective, exactly right. It's, it starts to uh, it starts to kind of push its way up to the forefront because you think of it when people are playing D and D, you only have so much um, processing power, you know, so much bandwidth in your head. So if you're juggling too much mechanical stuff, that might for some players, and I don't know, there's plenty of players this isn't a problem with, but we're kind of looking at the entire spectrum of players. Yeah. Who, yeah. that just starts to crowd out other things they might want to do. Well, I mean, just from a perfect example, I mean, let me, let me look at the way this character is, and I love this character. I don't have any problem with this character. I like playing this character, but. If you look at the amount of real estate this character takes up and understand that I have put each of the types of abilities into a stack, it's still taking up like a quarter of this table, my one character. If I was to look at this character sheet and then I was to say, for example, imagine that I was an alien beast who had beamed down here and I was looking at it. I would say that this is a game about combat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What alien is like... Take me to your uh, role-playing groups. <laughs> cool aliens yeah. that are awesome. One with great taste. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying that, but, but that's Do you it. like to meet the president? No, no, do you no, have, no. Do you have any gaming groups? Show me, show, me, show me these polyhedrons. But I'm saying, yeah, I would say this is a game about hitting people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, it's part of the game. And yeah. If, people, if you want that to be the game, you, can, you want it to be the game. But I think the key is for us... When you think of role-playing games, the thing that makes an RPG different from other types of games... Is the role aspect? Yeah, it's like you can do anything, right? Like, if you just say, like, if... A lot of games, I think almost every other type of game, you're basically you're looking at what's in your hand of cards, you're looking at what the, your choices or actions are, whatever it is. In a role-playing game, you can do you can describe anything, and the DM just uses the rules to figure out how it works. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, as a DM, I already felt like they could do anything. So you're trying to make, uh, like... Codify the fact that they can do anything? No, or make I, no, rules no, no, saying no, no. they can do anything? No, no, no. I think they're actually trying to decodify it. It's a bit, yeah. They're trying to uncodify it. Now I'm just messing with you. But I think that I think that what happens is that players mm-hmm. think in this card way. Mike, you taught me a rule specifically for my group, which is to speed up combat, <clears throat> give them a plus two to their roles if they know what they're going to do when we get to them. Yeah. Because what was the problem? You get to someone, you're like, all right, you're up. Brian, you're up. And he goes, uh, uh... Yeah, right. and I would give them a plus to their rolls if they had their card picked out. So they can yeah. choose anything. And there's but no that p- was the whole game was them. Everyone is not paying attention to what's happening or participating. They're looking at what they're going to do next. The game was most fun when they would kind of break free of that, and we would stop necessarily just kind of adhering to whatever their cards could yeah, do. I mean, they could have done it. Yeah, right. But but this is imagine, imagine like in the UI of this game. If these are all the buttons, I mean, so in order to in order to think about something outside of this construction, the first thing you're going to look to is what's on the table. And what was sure. your other rule? You made uh, skills a free action to encourage them to do more skills. Yeah, I did. So you were heading this direction anyway, Mike. You just don't know it. 
<laughs> you were making D&D next, and you didn't even know Well, no, it. but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that already a DM could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I didn't Because it's a role-playing game. I, yeah, I mean, when I say I played 4th edition, I played, like, every DM. I played my version of 4th edition, right? Right. Like, I had, we had so many house rules and, you know, you like, like Scott's saying, shit that I just came up with on my own. Yeah. I mean, my 3D planets are behind you on that table, like... We did crazy stuff. Like, I already felt like I could do whatever I wanted with these rules. So I don't understand why I need a new set of rules that I can do whatever I want with. He's right, Mike. Pack this shit up and get out of here. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm coming. I've never had to deal with another edition. I don't understand why I need another edition no, exactly. of something I can do whatever I want with. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You need to you need to be sold on it. That is perfectly yeah, exactly. reasonable. Yeah, no, because yeah, uh, no, that's you want you want me to get all new books and rules, right? I mean, that's I mean, well, that is the thing, right? I mean, you could see, yeah, sure. I loved if everyone just bought everything new every month that came out. But well, honestly, at the end of the day, if you're playing if you're playing fourth and you enjoy it, there's no reason to stop playing, right? I mean, okay. With the new one of the things with with a new edition is we don't want people to I don't want people to feel like. If, if you're playing the new edition, you're not playing D and D anymore. That you're being like left out in the cold and all that. Because I just say because there are going to be plenty of people who I mean, there are people who still play first edition, original D and D. Sure. Because I think a lot of it is as DM, you you're creating stuff, and if you find a set of tools that works for you, why? I mean, obviously, it's great if we can make a game that you look at and go, okay, this is great. I want I want to move on to the new edition because it's doing what I want, and that, that's a challenge we face, right? Yeah. Because we've got all these different audience people who want, you know, different things out of D and D. The um, so in some ways, that's the real challenge. But at the end of the day, it's really about playing the version of the game that makes you the happiest. Because a lot of the stuff, and this is the thing, that I think the big thing about D&D is since every group is different, when we talk about these things, we can only really, I as the game designer guy, can only talk about general trends. Right? This is, this is generally what we see in the audience. This mm-hmm. is kind of like the bigger picture thing. But that doesn't mean anything when you look at in, in individual gaming groups and, tab- and tables. Because everyone's experience of the game is different. I think that's what makes D&D great, is it yeah. isn't just the same thing for everybody. And if, if Fourth's working for you, I mean, that's... I mean, Fourth's a great game, right? So I don't think there's any sense that you, know, you have to move on or, you know, or, or you're making a mistake or something like that. So if I want to take my Fourth Edition Jim Dark Magic and make him a next edition Dungeons & Dragons character... That's that's the goal here, right? Uh, yeah, that's basically what we're going to look at okay. converting over. So, I, actually, I, I have a question for that. So, when you think about fourth, like, what do you think? Are there any specific things in the game that you're not happy with, or that you have like house ruled and wish you had bigger solutions to? I'm just curious to see, like, when, when you've been playing the game. Uh, like, for what, what for me as yeah, a DM, my my biggest problem I would say was that uh, by the time they reached level twenty or so, mm-hmm. I had. A very hard time. I felt challenging them. Well, the party was there within the rules of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a pantheon by that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely make up stuff and and tweak rules and and cheat <laughs> to hurt them. Um, you know, and by by level twenty, I really did have to cheat, like mm-hmm. to hurt them. Um, I felt like if I were to just use the math, boy, they yeah. were going to kick my ass every time in an encounter. Interesting, yeah. So they to, were bad. They were they were bad news bears. I mean, my group come came from card players. Like they like they like having cards and they like thinking about synergies between cards. And you know, it's one thing to think about synergies in a deck, but this is a group of five card players thinking about synergies between five decks. Yeah. I mean, they were setting themselves up for attacks and powers that were just insane. I mean, it was like it was like five tournament magic players. That had created a, a single five-headed meta deck. Yeah, it was spooky. 
And so, there, you know, by level 20, I had sort of stopped doing as many encounters, and we were playing a lot more where we would play nights that, you know, were almost all role-playing. Okay, cool. You know? So in some ways, okay, so in some ways you're kind of like, the system had served its purpose, and you'd kind of moved beyond it in some ways, like in terms of what you're thinking of, like, for the session. It wasn't, you weren't leaning on the numbers to get things No, going. I would say what I was leaning on was the lore and, uh, you know, I loved the books that would give me, you know, locations and NPCs and hooks for ideas and stuff like that. And I wasn't relying so much on the math anymore. So, so that's something where, I mean, even if, even if you look at next and think it's just terrible, you don't want to play it. I mean, a lot of the stuff, one of the things we want to be able to do as we go forward, because we know not everyone's going to come over, right? So as we're doing products, whatever else we're writing about, a lot of that stuff is still just going to be the lore of the Dean. Of Dean. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still going to be stuff that, you know, if you go to the store, you can still pick up adventures or whatever, or just source books on different locations or places. Uh, so, so, so I think in a lot of ways, even if the rules don't, don't make sense to you, if anything, we're going to be emphasizing more the story end of things and okay. the world building and stuff. Because uh, I think that's pretty common in fourth is one of the things that happens is, since it is so driven by the mechanics and character building and, and the combinations between characters... That what you just described is something that I think happens qu- quite often. Mm. That it's just one DM against five players. Really, it's a five. It's a five on one game. Yeah, and that's in some ways like a next. We're trying to address that. I mean, it's it's a tricky thing because you don't want to tell people like in the new edition your character will suck, right? Like you just you know you're half as powerful as it used to be. But right. the bigger picture is trying to make it so that those combinations, like especially as encounter powers, you can't pull them off as as often as you were able to before. That so you're not just getting maybe everything back and being able to do it again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're you're essentially you're going in under the hood of the combat economy. Exactly. Right. I mean, you're you're trying to alter the the ratios. Yeah, it's it's of the, those abilities. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's the tempo. That if you have something that's a real that you can go nova, you can't say through a combination of encounter powers just nova every single fight. Mm-hmm. You've got to kind of pick your moment to shine. So I'd be kind of curious to see how that kind of, like, you know, as you kind of look at the system, if that, any of that kind of speaks to you. But yeah. The, but we're definitely, we want to, I mean, it's part of it is getting more towards story and less toward mechanics because of that, because there are mm-hmm. so many different additions out there and people have different preferences. So so we want to talk about your specific characters? or do Let's you do it. Yeah, okay. Who wants, to, who wants to be first up? So this is going to, I got to kind of warn you up front, this is going to be a little experimental because right now. It's basically a huge word doc, right? Yeah, a huge is, is would be generous uh, way to describe it. It's a number of smaller word docs that go up to fifth level. So oh, I see. Now you guys are tenth level, and so the thing is, I have all my design guidelines here, so I can start doing some stuff for higher level stuff, stuff for stuff. The um, that's the wrong one. And, sorry, <laughs> it's technical difficulties. Opening up a few files here. Man. So who wants to go first? I mean, Omen I should probably start. I mean, he's the boss, right? I agree. Yeah, let's give it a try. And also, I want to know what it means to be a, a D&D Next cleric, because one of the things that I thought was kind of cool coming into fourth mm-hmm. from previous versions was just the idea of a healing strike. Yes, exactly. Yep. Like, I mean, it seemed like the healing strike was designed to create... Was a that new, new to fourth? The idea that you could hit and heal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Previously, you were doing your group a disservice if you didn't dump all of your spells into heals. It was your whole job. Because remember, without Second Wind and without these other mechanisms for healing, the cleric was it. Oh, okay. So their job was so important. It, it's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like when you play your druid mm-hmm. in a raid. <clears throat> yeah. Your job is just the green bars. The cleric did damage. I got in trouble. Yeah. See, yeah. and it was the same thing. The cleric is there exclusively to manage green bars. 
Yeah. Okay. And so the idea that I could manage a green bar while lowering their red bar sure. was a revolution. And so, I mean, especially because, I mean, in some ways, like for a warrior, I liked the tanking mechanics. I, I liked that it, I liked that I could try to, you know, that warriors could pull heat off of people. But at the same time, you know, the rest of their attacks, they, warriors are wizards in a lot of ways, just mechanically speaking, right? And then that's, that's a return to an older style of play to go back from that. And I just, I wonder what that means for... I'm guessing this is the part of the podcast where he says that they got rid of Healing Strike. I'm just... Yeah, no, I've, I, I feel very confident <laughs> that I'm about to receive a letter in the mail from... <laughs> actually. From yeah. the general... <laughs> and the, and that's, you know, that's a good segue into, uh, into healing... Uh, uh, well, the conversation about Healing Strike... I want to enter into a dialogue about healing strikes and how they don't exist. <laughs> so, actually, that's actually one of the things which is nice about the new the way we're approaching the system app. Is since we're assuming people want to be able to do that, we can build that into the game. Okay, so tell me what that means. <laughs> it means that he's going to go into his Word doc right now and go, <laughs> we need to add a healing strike. Right. <laughs> healing strike, you can do it every turn. So we'll get healed. So the, the, the big change in healing is it's not encounter-based, it's, it's daily. Like, you know, if you cast a healing spell, it's gone. But for clerics... <laughs> yes, but for clerics, you get uh, channel divinity is now purely healing. You can just use it. So channel divinity back in the day was uh, turn undead. Mm-hmm. Fourth edition, it lets you access a different power base. It's a power and, source that you can exactly. invest in different things, yeah. So what we did, we decided, uh, since clerics iconically heal, every cleric just gets a healing ability. And now, if you want, if, depending on what god you take, you can swap that out. If you're like a uh, cleric of the god of assassins, you don't heal, you can choose something else. You do the opposite of healing. Yeah, exactly. Or hurting, as it is sometimes okay. called. But that's kind of like the, the, the standard like onboard option, you know, kind of when you buy a car, like you're getting a radio, right? So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, the same thing, if you want to swap it out, you can swap This is not aftermarket. Yeah, exactly. And then what, really from there, it's just a matter of, typically speaking, if you want to attack and heal, your heal is about half what it would be if you spent your entire action, but we're basically giving you that option to choose. Do you want to be more of a fighting cleric where you're fighting and healing, or do you want to be more of a support cleric? Because that's one of the things we found in, in well, so, yeah, Somebody wants to do that. Exactly. So I, don't, I'm, just, I would never say exactly. that that was not true. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Yeah, so exactly. So it's just it's one of the big things with, with Next is saying... People want to play classes in different ways, so we can just design it to meet that. And I think that's been one of the big things we've been learning in the past couple of years. One of the nice things of having the different editions and the feedback we've been getting is you just you get a pretty good sense of what, like, if people say they like playing a cleric, they mean different things. But this is all really about saying, okay, well, what are those things? And how can right, we right, right. So you're saying that but healing is a daily ability, but you're saying that I can still hit and heal? Yeah. Tell me how that would work. So, uh, it actually, it's pretty straightforward. So you can imagine if you have a healing spell. So here, you know what? I'll actually pull one out as an example. I can just read it from this file here if I can find it. The, um, so let's see. Or, of course, let me guess. Like, this would be the punchline. It's actually not in this file. Here we go. So the spell called Healing Word is okay. right here in the file. All right, uh, I have the old version here, the old great version. You're about to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now, basically <laughs> is... Okay. Oh, and this actually goes back to an, uh, another big change to the mechanics of the game. Yeah. This is all about trying to streamline things. So it's not move minor no standard. Paper. It's just action and move. It's all in your head. So you only have one action. Action and move. Yep. Action and move. Interesting. Okay. So again, again, it's it's about economy, right? Exactly. Oh no! <laughs> because you guys have to make a whole new T-shirt. <laughs> no, no, no. Move minor standard no longer applies. But 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 essentially, what we're talking about is <laughs> you had move. Quick, Which was the classic one, action, yep. right? Shirt. <laughs> you had to move, and you have, and you had your standard action, 
And so that's what you have now. Yeah, basically, yeah. But you also had the and change portion with that minor action. Yeah, so, and, and so the big reason for that change, and you guys get to talk about this a little bit earlier, it's, it's so people focus on doing one thing. So it's your turn. What do you want to do? You do that. That's you your action. Yeah, exactly. One of the things we found with minor actions was, and actually it was kind of interesting watching, because we, we have like this, uh, we do, we bring in people sometimes to play d and and you like watch them and see how it plays out. People, they have minor actions. They think, well, what should I do with this? And you'd see oh. players kind of stop and think, well, what should I do? They get they're paralyzed. Gonna yeah, because it's, it's a resource, right? Like you figure if you're playing a game, you have resources, you spend them all because you, you're going to lose it if you don't use it. So okay. it, it ended up, so what we did, so in, instead of saying, hey, everyone gets a minor action, we just said, I can, the spell's right here, right? When you cast a spell, you heal someone, and you can also make an attack or cast a second spell. So as a player, ah. though, like if it comes to my turn and, and you know, we, we open a door and there's goblins, right? Is it an action to draw my sword? Nope. And that's the thing we said, too, is actions are pretty much like the main thing you do. So the DM, and we tried to make an exhaustive list, but just gave a lot of examples. Like things like drawing your sword, talking to somebody, even yeah. like... Oh, all those things. Those are minor end, actions. All the yeah. end change. Well, no, not, now they don't exist. Yeah, they're just, they, they're just flavor. They're, just they're flavor. not inside, right? Okay. They're not governed by the rule set.